0: Lord, we thank you that when we turn towards you and seek your face, the face that we see, looking back at us is full of love, full of compassion, full of faithful kindness. Lord, thank you that um, when you correct us, that all you call us to do is just to agree with you. We're going the wrong way and we just turn and come follow you again. And so, Holy Spirit, would you teach us and would you give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to our church and to the churches that are represented in our midst and to those that would listen online and ears to hear to the churches around the world today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen going to invite you to have a seat. Um, For those of you that are guests, our typical um, worship service goes till about 1130. So deep breath. We're going to get to hear the word this morning. Praise God. So um, we, I'm going to invite us all to read this slide again. It's declarations of our faith. And so let's read together. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is alive and active in me. And as um, I'm going to refresh us on God's kingdom next, I'm going to tell you where we're going in scripture so you have a time to find it. Haggai. Um, if, if you go to Matthew and go backwards in the Old Testament, three books. Um, so towards the end of the Old Testament, we're going to be starting a new series um, on the book of Haggai this morning. And as we do, again, I want to remind you that we're listing through the lens of kingdom, God who's king, and we who are called royal priests. So a kingdom is God's sovereignty a territory over which he rules. He brings his nature and his character to manifest in the kingdom of God, and we're citizens of God's kingdom, and he calls us a royal priesthood. Now, as we get ready to start this series, A Time to Build God's House, I want to just tell you, and we wanted to share with you, that this is a message that's been brewing for months, and we've been wondering, where is the place? And who are the people, and when is the time for this message? And so we brought this message in summary to our elders and said, do you think this is for gold, and do you think it's for now? And they said yes. And so then, who is going to preach this message? Because we have a preaching team, and the sense is that Pastor Dave, Pastor Jaleesa, and I are going to bring this message together over the next five weeks but we want you to know that it's been intense in preparation. So Haggai 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel through, whoops, to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. So the word of the Lord came to a government official and to a church official. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. This is the word of the Lord. A little bit of background on this. In 539 B.C., God moved on the heart of King Cyrus of Persia and allowed the people of God who had been in exile in Babylon to be returned to Jerusalem. So you might see the um, yellow diamond was Babylon, back to the blue star, which over by Jerusalem. And when they got back to their homeland, they got busy right away working on rebuilding God's temple. And they got the foundation in place in two years And the temple was important because it was the visible sign of God's presence with his people. And God's honor was at stake. Because you see, the surrounding countries would wonder, until they saw that temple, they would wonder, is there God even in existence anymore? And so it was very important that there be an outward sign of the Lord's presence among his people. And yet, wouldn't you know it, when they started working on it, there was opposition, Battle after battle, challenge after challenge, it's really intriguing if you go back. And this little book of Haggai, when we read through our Bible, sometimes we think, oh, this is chronologically the way things happened. But this little tiny book of a minor prophet, Haggai, actually is talking about things that happened in Ezra and Nehemiah earlier in the Old Testament. And I think about Ezra around chapter five, you'll find Haggai reference, all right? So just to kind of help you see how this fits together. And so um, they had faced relentless opposition and then many distractions. And how many of you know that sometimes you just get going on life and you kind of just get sucked into it. And so they got kind of caught up in the daily grind. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Verse two, they didn't recognize God's timeline. They didn't recognize what they were supposed to be doing at any given time. Is it for now or later? And they're thinking it's later. And he goes, no, it's now. And so a particular time, August 29, 5020 B.C. is when Haggai all of a sudden comes on the scene and says, now's the time to get back to rebuilding the temple. Sometimes we don't recognize where we're at in God's long, eternal timeline. But things had to, it's so fascinating if you could go back and look at the research of how it all lined up politically to get it all to the point where there was going to be a cooperative government leader along with a religious leader to say, yes, now's the time. And so um, we need to align ourselves with God's priority and his timing. And he says, is it time for you to be yourselves living in paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? And paneled could mean wood paneling, but that was pretty rare back then. It could mean covering. Like, is it is it okay that you've got your house completed in a roof while mine's sitting here with just a foundation laid? Friends, how does it feel when you're building something and you just get the foundation laid and then it stops? It's not inhabitable. A foundation is not a home. And if any of you have ever been in a building project of any sort, and it gets hung up, and oh, you didn't pull this permit, or okay, now the frost line, and you know we're too late in the winter, we have to pause on this. But can you imagine that it would go for one year, and two years, and twelve years of sitting there? If you're a neighbor, you're wondering what happened. Did they run out of money? Did they die? Like, what has happened that there's just a foundation and nothing else has been built on this? And this is what the neighboring people were looking and saying, Israel, their God just has this temple with a foundation and nothing is there. And remember, this was to the temple was to be the inhabitation of where God's presence would be in the Holy of Holies among his people with these inner and outer courts, and all it's sitting is with these foundations laid. And so this remains a ruin. And God's design from the beginning was that he would dwell among his people. And he says in verse 8, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. Can you imagine? God took pleasure in being right in the midst of his people. And he would be honored. And that, and he says, don't worry about the supply. Just go up the mountain, bring the timber back. Those are going to be the supporting structures. It was going to be a block, big stone construction. But those those um, poles would be side supports or even roof supports. And I think that's even a word. I mean, there are so many words in here, but this is a word. Don't worry about the supply. I'm going to supply. When God says it's time, it's time to build. All right? Um, so go up in the mountains. And then he gives this, like, Oh, you're drinking, but you're not satisfied. You're putting clothes on, but you're never warm. And you've got, you know, your pockets have holes in them. How does it feel when you're never satisfied? When your needs aren't met? It's discouraging, tiring, the grind. How many of you know how that feels when life can just be a grind and it feels like there's never enough, there's never enough, there's never enough? And he's saying, think about how you feel right now. And he says, give careful thought to your ways. He repeats that phrase twice. Give careful thought to your ways. He goes on to talk about how that your, your um, olives are going to fall off. And like every agricultural effort, it was an agricultural community, is not going to bear the crops that you're expecting. And what he's doing when he's referencing that, what they would hear, because the people of God knew God's word. We in this community need to learn and become literate in God's word again. Because what they would hear is Deuteronomy, where Moses was so concerned that when they would go in the promised land and would be in prosperity, that they might forget to love and serve God And he said, there's going to be blessings if you do and curses if you don't. In Deuteronomy 28, 38 to 40, and then verse 47, he's saying this. These curses will happen if you don't serve the Lord. You'll sow much seed in the field, but you'll harvest little. You will plant vineyards and cultivate them, but you will not drink the wine or the grapes because worms will eat them. You will have olive trees throughout your country, but you will not use the oil because the olives will drop off. And then in verse 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. And so when Haggai comes with this message and says, pay attention to what's happening in your work and in your crops, they would be going, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, we've forgotten to gladly and joyfully serve the Lord. It's God's grace when he reminds us. Of his way because there were these blessings that had been promised when God set up his covenant with his people and so not only would he, those words remind him of the the um, curse but would remind them of the great blessings if they would just turn if they would repent if they would turn and follow the lord's way this is what twenty eight one eight and ten says if you follow If you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all of his commands I give you today, the Lord, your God, will set you high above all the nations on earth. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will bless you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord and walk in obedience to him, Then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. You see, God's people on earth were to be a signpost. It was supposed to be like a neon sign that says, these are the people of God and he is a good God. And he starts to bring his shalom and his peace and his order in our lives. This was supposed to be a walking testimony of God's goodness. That's what God's people were designed to be. And now we live in a New Testament time in a new covenant in Jesus. And so Jesus was the curse for us, but there's still these blessings. He says in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you worry about, and it was talking about food and your clothing and so forth, they'll all be added. Seek first my kingdom. And so... I want to just tell you that as we've listened and have conversations with you, sometimes we hear, oh man, life is just busy, and it's busier, and it's busier, and it's sucking the life and the joy out of me, and oh, I'm exhausted. Are you seeking his kingdom first? Another conversation, one of you said, oh, you know, I just love my favorite time of the month is when I am serving the Lord and using my gifts in this way to help promote the ministry of the church. Thinking about one of our young people that has started to become a greeter and how that when that person sits in that seat and greets you, we just see the exuberance of the joy of the Lord. And so, is life still hard? yes. But does God help and give strength and joy and peace as we're joyfully serving him? And I could go on and on to say conversations that we hear. And I wonder, I want to just turn back and go, are you listening to what you're saying lately? And might you even lay it up against the scripture and say, am I living joyfully to serve the Lord? Or have I made the same mistake that these people have done? And kind of got caught up in the grind and in the busyness. And I don't know. We haven't had conversations with some of you that are just visiting or even those of you that are here today for the first time. But I believe the Lord has you here for a reason. A very specific reason. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear what your Holy Spirit would say. I want you to hear that even yesterday... I'm spending time with the Lord and I'm like, Lord Almighty, which is the term that he uses in this scripture, most high God. And I'm saying, who is this message for? Because I'm preaching to Gold Avenue Church, but yesterday I'm in my house feeling like this is a message for the world. And I'm wanting to speak it out into the heavenlies and saying, do you know what time it is? Now, now, now is the time. Now is the time to serve the Lord joyfully. We don't know where he is on that timeline. But I just have this urgency that Jesus is coming back and he wants to usher in his kingdom. And I have this picture of the new creation. And if we think fishing is good now, it's going to be so much better. And the water's going to be totally pure. And the people, it's all going to be joyful. There's no more of these unhealthy dynamics. And I'm thinking, he wants his kingdom full. And do we know what time it is? Thursday night, a woman comes up and says, I've been praying for revival for years and years and years. And I believe that revival is here and I believe revival is coming. Yesterday as I'm praying and like, Lord, is this message Who is this for? Is it for the world? Is it for gold? How do I dial it down to help it not like blow you over this morning? But I remembered this song from Rick Pino. I used to listen to him, a prophetic worshiper. I hadn't heard it or listened to it for 15 or 20 years. I can hear the sound of the river coming down. I can hear the sound of the river coming down. I can hear the sound of the river coming down, coming down, coming down. I'm just like, oh, the Lord is moving. He's working. And there, like, I just have to tell you, it's time to tell the good news of Jesus to our neighbors and our friends and be used by him. And so the question is, what are we currently building with our lives? And have we let anything get us distracted? And every time I've ever gone into, Dane and I do, a remodeling project at home, I can just tell you it can be all-consuming. And suddenly, I'm looking at five different kinds of laminate and, you know, what kind of tiles or, you know, whatever those little decisions are that just, like, can completely take over my perspective and my time and my money and my talents. And I feel like the Lord's saying, if there's anything, a hobby, anything that is taken over, I think he's just saying, it's all right to have a life. But are you prioritizing me? Are you prioritizing my house? And so there's this urgency. And I want to say that our vision here is to see the gospel of Jesus Christ transform our lives and our neighborhood and the world here at Gold Avenue Church. Jesus is our cornerstone. The last 10 years we've been working on developing leaders who embody the kingdom and growing up as a congregation who embodies the kingdom of God. But we've just been doing foundational work. The work isn't done yet. The Lord's just been laying a foundation. Friends, we can't stop there and let the foundation and then just get distracted and get busy doing other things. Now it's time to start building on it. All right? And these four areas that the Lord's called us to build on is worship, care, prayer, and equipping. And in each one of these areas, there's opportunities for people to plug in and get involved. These are kind of like putting the walls and the structural roofing on top. Worship, care, prayer, equipping. We need more musicians. We're thankful for the technicians that run the technical stuff. We could use more people that knew how to do that. When we think about care, we've established care elders and we've established deacons, but hey, we're supposed to be a caring, loving community that's taking care of each other. How do we build that more? Is it small groups? Is it home groups? How are we caring for each other? We've got prayer ministry, we've got prayer partners. But don't you know that this could be like a whole nother prayer area where we could start laying up walls of, like, who are those that we're praying for? And what countries are we praying for? And where are we sending people so that we would pray for those ministries? Intercession. Growing in intercessory prayer. Growing in equipping. Friends, we are, God's doing a move on Thursday nights here. Multiple churches, people coming to be equipped to take the kingdom and to pronounce and proclaim the kingdom of Jesus Christ near and far. And even as early and frequently as this morning, before the service, somebody comes from another church and says, could you help? I have somebody that I think has a demon. And is there any way that your church could help in this ministry? We get a call on the answering machine this week from Missouri. Is there a church nearby us that's doing this teaching on the Holy Spirit? We get a call and a reach out from California. Is there anybody that could come and help us? Lord, Lord is doing something. He's building something here. And I imagine that when Haggai came and talked to the people, they probably thought, here we are, this little motley crew, and there's this temple to rebuild. And I'm just saying, with God, nothing is impossible. We can do what he says we can do. We are who he says that we are. He is who he says he is. And his word is alive and active in us. And he's saying, will you let my foundation sit? Or will you get active in building? God's not calling us to build a building, and it might seem like this would be a great sermon if we were talking about a big building campaign. But the kind of campaign we're talking about is living stones and creating ministries so that more and more people can be brought into the kingdom and discipled and placeholders, whatever ministries God's calling for us, a new coffee shop. That's one thing on the docket, right? Um, the youth ministry is in the in the process of a discernment right now. How are we doing with youth ministry? We're waiting for more children's workers. We've been praying for years for more children's workers. We need workers and leaders there. We need to pray them in. We need to see them identify their gifts. Same with youth ministry. Same with this, that, the other ministry. We believe God wants to use our church, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but to plant new churches And to send out many more missionaries. But what does he need to do? We have to build. We have to grow. We have to pray that he'll help us to cooperate. As he builds his building, he builds his spiritual kingdom. And the priority is, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule. So don't look at what's already there and go, I've got to prioritize this. Lord, what are your priorities? And then put that on my schedule. And get rid of the things that aren't. And so as we think about this, we think about Jesus, the one who modeled priorities. He said, not my will, but yours. And I was thinking about that this morning. Jesus probably would have loved to have gone out on a boat some days. Or just to go fishing some days. Or maybe go back to his mom's and had a homemade meal. Had some good olives. Maybe had... Some good flatbread. I don't know what they ate. But anyway, I'm guessing he probably, there were some things he would have liked to have done too. But for the joy set before him, he did only what he saw his father doing. Because he knew in the new creation there was going to be plenty of time. And so it's with that joy that in every decision that we're making, I think these are some questions that might be helpful. Are we pursuing the presence of God? Are we prioritizing the pleasure of God, and are we prioritizing the honor of God? And so, decision by decision, am I pursuing his presence? Am I prioritizing his pleasure and his honor? God's design has always been that he would dwell with his people and that his kingdom would be our priority. Friends, church, guests, How will we respond? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you tell us in your word that it's better one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And so, Lord, you are who we seek. Your presence is what we want. Your priorities are what we want to be our priorities. And so would you gently lead us as our good shepherd to follow you day by day and moment by moment as a community. We pray this in God's name. Amen.